Alright everybody, welcome back. Today we're going to go over something very interesting. We're going to go over a quick part of the early church, and we're going to go into churches today, and we're going to go into pastors today, and we're going to go into um, just kind of a quick glance at doctrines and how people perceive other beliefs, so on and so on. Um, so... A good concept is the first thing we need to understand is John 14:6, which is Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. When we understand this, we understand that Jesus is the form of salvation. Um, uh, I am currently working on trying to put out something to try to explain salvation and everything like that to for people that, you know, need a summary, but I hold no value into making it a like a doctrine or giving it to a council or something. It's just something to help explain things. And I'll probably pull a segment on that once I finish it. But uh, to go further into this, what I need people to understand is that in Mark um, 16, uh, it says, Go into the world and proclaim the, the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So why does baptism and belief have to play a part in this? And this is a very interesting thing, because in this verse, what we need to understand is when you're going into the world to explain the gospel, the people need to believe. Now, there's a, a similar stance on this where it came down to... Um, Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he says, much like Moses, you know, rose up the snake, the Son of Man will have to be raised up. And in that manner, what happened in Numbers is when Moses rose up the stick, right, anybody that got bit by a snake would just have to turn and look at the snake to believe, you know, that they would be healed and they were healed. The belief and the faith in that belief saved them. What you need to, what, what the concept of it is seeing wasn't believing, it was believing that something on a pole would save them. And they kept doing that. The parallel to that is Jesus went on the cross, and everybody who went on the cross and believed were saved. But then there comes the point where we, in this generation, do not see the cross. We have a book, one that I'm holding right now in my hands. And this book, this one book, is the one that explains what happened at that time period. And why is this such a, a like, a, a interesting concept? And the reason why, which I'll go over again more into what I'm writing about, is that the, the big... You know, the, the big uh, difference between Protestants and Catholics and, you know, different doctrines and stuff is they, some of them say that we don't have free will to choose, so we're already elected before we should. And this is where it says, whoever believes and is baptized. So you have to believe to be, you know, you have to accept that belief. And the baptism of the, 
of the spirit is what happens to you when you do that but at the same time when you're getting baptized by water again much like jesus did it's kind of like a symbol to him saying look this is what i'm doing for you you know i love you and this is i, I believe you this is what i'm doing because you died for me in every manner of situation and every kind of um concept of this we need to understand a very very big aspect of this and the biggest aspect that we see the most important aspect that we see through this is that God has a specific manner of working through what he needs to do so So what I'm trying to, I guess, express is that when Jesus comes, like when he came and everything and did everything, it wasn't that he was giving people a book and saying, read. He was performing things, things that nobody could see before at that time. And people didn't want to believe him. They're like, no, 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 you're, you're not of God. You're the other one. But... Jesus is like, no, my father sent me, and this is what I'm doing. I'm helping people, you know. Everything that the father, you know, wills me to do, I do. And this is where we need to understand scripture. A lot of people will read scripture and mean they they denote it. It's in, it's fallible. It's not true. There's myths in it. Well, I'm gonna. I can fully tell you, being uh, uh, having a degree in world religions, having studied world religions and everything like that, there's a lot of things in the Bible that have been recognized throughout the world in continents that the the gospel has never reached at the time, and that you know predate the time of you know Jesus and everything. So before people were even settling over there, you know. So these ancient cultures that the Israelites probably never been to explain why these myths and these, you know, stories still exist today throughout all the cultures throughout the world of ancient religion. So what is religion? If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless if you're deceiving your heart because of your religion and everything your religion's not anything but then Jane in the book of James it continues religion that is pure and undefiled before God the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world so why does that mean unstained from the world it means to keep yourself away from the world that's what all the jewish people were trying to do they were trying to stay away from the gentiles the non-jewish people and why do they want to stay away from them because they didn't want to be stained by the worldly things that they were doing however god has put multiple occasions in different parts of the old testament where he was trying to reach out to the Gentiles 
But to do that, to fully get to that point, we needed Jesus to spread his message. Which further goes into my point about religion. When we go into religion and we understand the, the religious nature of stuff, Jesus spoke against a lot of the religion in this, in this world. You know, he, or not this world, but, well, yes, this world today, and, at the time, the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees would, one, use religion to promote themselves. And that's the same way that the Catholic Church, at the time, promoted themselves. Now, this is where I'm going to try to give you a nice big aspect of this. And this isn't just pertaining to Catholics. This is pertaining to the multitude of churches today. Not just, uh, and I'm not saying every church is like this. I'm just saying there's a many that I've seen. So, there's, um... Before the Catholic Church actually came around at 325 A.D., right, and we had the early church, they didn't follow the same notions that the Catholic Church did, you know? And the, because they didn't follow those same aspects of the Catholic Church, what would happen is that when the Catholic Church was established, they had the Council of Nicaea. Council of Nicaea is the one who put in these doctrines and stuff, which eventually became catechisms, and from there on uh, became, you know, parts of their religion. But, their religion grew in a massive amount of numbers because the Christians were actually saved at this point, you know? They, they weren't going to be persecuted anymore, you know? So, Christianity was legalized. So, what they had to do was they did things that were different. Instead of saying, hey, Jesus was born around this time, they used Christmas as it, which is their pagan festival. Now, of course, if you read one of my, pre if listen to one of my previous podcasts, we go into when Jesus was more likely accurately born based on the gospel and the uh, the Old Testament prophecies and stuff like that, we can understand when he was born. And when we reference his birth, right, we understand that he was more likely conceived around December. That was around the time that he would have been not born, but would have God would have, you know, put the child into him, into Mary. So, when we understand that concept, then we go forward into this. So, th the, we got the date of his birth wrong, because that was a pagan festival that ended up becoming a, um, a clear concept of trying to unite Christians and pagans together, which again follows under Deeds of the Nicolaitans, which is in the book of Revelation. Um, now, following Christmas and worshiping Christmas are two different things, you know? Um, so when we go forward into this, before we go into a whole Christmas debacle and everybody starts, you know, cursing me, 
for this, um, we're going to go a little bit more into how this works. Is that there was a point in time where the Vatican or the, the Catholic Church became the biggest powerhouse in the world. That where every, every Christian nation, every Catholic uh, following nation, would basically follow under what the Pope would say. The Pope technically had supreme rule, so if there were certain kings that needed titles, they would go to the Pope, they would send a letter to the Pope, or they would go visit the Pope or something in Rome, and they say, look, this is my land, but this person has it, and I want it back. And the Pope would have to determine whether it was good or right or wrong that they, they have it. They use the Pope as the forefront mediator between Jesus and God, which is not the way it should work. Just the same way that they confess their sins to a priest, because a priest can't absolve you of your sins, only Christ can. Right? That says it in scripture. That's not anything to do with, you know, you know that's their tradition. That's not anything scripture. So when we, and the Catholics for the longest time didn't even want to translate their Bible into Latin, uh, from Latin because they didn't want people to read it. They held the power. The same way that the religious people and the Pharisees and stuff held the power because they were religious and they were the ones that everybody would go to for their, their doctrines and their understanding and everything like that because they studied it. So where is the truth? Where do we understand what's happening? Is the churches have become a powerhouse, almost like an idol for many, many people. And I'm not saying don't go to church. Please do not take that into consideration. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are churches that are profiting on giving people wrong messages. There's certain Methodist pastors that I have seen that have been distorting what the Bible teaches, making their own narrative based on a couple verses. And by verses, I mean a verse, not a chapter, you know? So a single line to say what their narrative is without reading the full narrative to it. It's like people that say judge not but don't read the full narrative judge not lest ye be judged in the same accord and then they end up going further on into if you um if a person has a you know a splinter in their eye take the the log out of yours what does that mean don't be a hypocrite you know we need to understand the concept of this you know the concept and the the chapter verse, not a verse that makes you fit a narrative, you know, um, and, and this works with everything, certain doctrines, people will take different verses, like Romans 8, 11, or people that will take, um, you know, uh, like 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, or, um, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, and stuff like that, they, they, they use these verses and stuff to uh, bring a point, you know, and a, a big point to, you know, how verses work is a verse can give you what you need to know. That's 
you know. But there's a reason why the verse is in the chapter, right? So we understand the verse, and then we go to the next verse, and the next verse. And then when we understand these verses, they parallel with different parts of the Bible. They can parallel to the Gospel, they can parallel to the, the Epistles, they can parallel to the Old Testament, the Psalm, um, you know, Proverbs. They can parallel to anything. But when you see the parallels in distinction, you know that there's a line going through it, and that is how we understand the Bible's accurate. So, the concept of what I'm trying to get at is the churches today, and the threats of the faith today, is that churches are attacking the sheep. They're coming in as wolves in sheep's clothing. Or they're masking themselves as shepherds, but really are butchers of it at a slaughterhouse. You know, the, the way I'm looking at it is there are certain churches today that aren't trying to lead you to salvation, but trying to lead you under a specific manual. The manual that they're trying to teach you isn't one of God, it's one of a worldly acceptance of the gospel. And why do, what does that mean, a worldly acceptance? Worldly acceptance means to be in the world, but understand Christ is there. Distort what Christ says, live in the world, do whatever you want. You're already forgiven, so it doesn't make a difference. There's very dangerous parts of this, very dangerous aspects in these doctrines, and this is what we need to, to get away from, and we need to understand. Now, by me referencing doctrine in this, I'm not talking about any specific doctrine in general. I'm talking about we need to start researching the Bible itself because the Bible is the one thing that we have that can give us the truth. The truth in the Bible not only explains what we need it to explain, but it opens our heart. There's verses from Paul in Ephesus and in Rome, uh, Romans that will literally explain how God works, his... Um, how the spirit works, how the intercession of the spirit works between our heart and our mind, you know, um, or our heart and our spirit, I should say. Um, there's many verses in the Bible that will give us what we need to understand, but you can't take my word for it. This is the one thing I've always said through every sermon and everything I've ever explained to you is that don't listen to me. Read it for yourself. History in the Bible has taught us many, many things. It's taught us where to go. It has taught us what to believe. And this is the thing, is I have saw a pastor, an actual pastor, say that there's myths in the Bible, things that never happened, that Jesus said that there were myths. But when you read the Bible, not anything Jesus said was a myth. 
So a pastor is saying things that are not in the Bible. He's using it as a narrative for his own belief. And he's using that belief to convince other people of his beliefs. And when you convince other people of their, you know, of your belief, then you are pulling them away from what the Bible teaches. This is one of the reasons why I'm very careful about which church I attend. Because if I attend a church, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to a pastor, and I take everything that they say to heart, I could be deceived. Now, I'm not saying all pastors are bad. I have an amazing pastor, a God-loving, God-fearing pastor that reads nothing but the Bible. But what I'm saying is, if I was to, when I went to another church, right, one of those very big churches, I went with my parents, that's the church that they like to go to. It was a nice, big, big church. You go right up, they have like a food counter, you can get cookies, they have like, you know, hot chocolate or coffee if you want. Um, you know, they give you gift bags and stuff like that. It's very commercialized, you know. And I didn't feel comfortable there. A lot of people. And you go in and it's stadium seated. Like it goes all the way up. And then there's a guy at the bottom that, you know, he comes out. The pastor speaks. They leave. They have a band that comes out and plays. And the, the lights go off by the band. Then the pastor comes out again. And then the co-pastor. And then this girl will come out and say something that happened to her or testimony. And then next thing you know, the band starts playing. That's kind of like a concert type show thing that you would see, like that would normally be on TV. But the part that I didn't like was it didn't feel genuine. And when I when I was at that church, right, the pastor had a very very powerful presence. He could speak very very well. He was very knowledgeable. He was very smart why didn't I feel comfortable though with him he didn't care about his sheep he didn't care about the flock that he was preaching to he cared about being on stage and that's what I that's truly how I felt is that that's what he was doing I didn't feel the passion in his voice I didn't hear the sorrow in the sermons I didn't hear anything other than him speaking of intelligence right was everything he said biblically accurate a lot of it was yes there was a couple things that he said about marriage that i didn't agree with but that said you know he was out there and he did his own speech and everything and his confidence and his speaking were volumes better than what I can do. But his accuracy on certain things in there were missed. And he wouldn't talk to any of the people that would say, hey, you did really good out there. You know, he'd be like, thanks, and then he'd leave. You know, my pastor, right, and I, again, I'm not trying to compare people. He comes out, he starts shaking everybody's hand, gives them hugs, you know, he's, oh, I'm so glad you made it, you know, 
Um, oh, you can't make it to church. Uh, you know, he'll get a phone call. You can't make it. All right. He goes over, asks a couple of the uh, the employees there, the ones that work. Hey, can you go pick this person and this person up? They have a bus that will pick people up, and then they have people that will take their own cars and pick them up. It's beautiful how it works, you know, that it's a community that we all, like, pick each other up, you know? Anybody hung, if anybody's hungry, go downstairs. We have a bunch of food down there. Anybody can grab whatever they want, you know? And then he goes into his speech. He doesn't pull his speech out of doctrines. He doesn't pull his speech out of anything outside of the Bible. He goes into the Bible, reads the chapter, explains the verses, you know, then goes into a parallel to it. And then you hear him get so passionate and so riled up about how much he loves this, you know, and how sad he, he you can hear him almost crying when he talks about the, the crucifixion. You can hear him almost cry when he actually talks about how God is probably feeling during the times of our sins. This is where I'm trying to explain that there are certain churches that rise up in power. And when they rise up in power, that they're going to start exploring the world more. They're not going to be as forthcoming and traditional as you know other smaller churches and i'm not telling you to go to a big or small church i'm saying go to one that you can test the spirit and make sure it is there make sure your bible is with you and make sure whatever he's saying is accurate if he says first john says this and you open up to first john and you're reading it and he starts speaking about it and you can see the things that are paralleled perfectly to how he's saying it then okay he's fine but if you if he starts you know saying hey matthew says this and then when you read matthew and you go to second peter and you're going through this and you're like well these don't align up you know and you're confused Go up to him and test the spirit. Say, hey, look, you, you were talking about Matthew, and then you were talking about Second Peter. You know? And I have my Bible here, and I marked them just so I could kind of... And then you... But I don't see how they work. You know, can you explain it to me? You know? And if he can't give you an exact explanation, you know that his basis isn't there. He was making something off the top of his head, or he doesn't understand what he was trying to preach. Things aren't of God's mystery. The things that we are not supposed to know, we will not know. But the gospel is teaching us everything we do need to know. And that's what we do understand. So everything in the gospel will be able to be interpreting scripture through scripture. If we do not understand that, then we need to understand that. So be careful of false pastors. Be careful of the threats of major mainstream religions. Be careful because we're not supposed to walk in the world. We're supposed to walk behind Christ. We're supposed to follow him wherever he goes. I urge you this. Read your Bible. Read your Bible and know the truth. For anything that I say that isn't of truth, then you can call me out on it and I will correct myself. 
God bless you all and have a great week.